Hello, and welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. This is Sarah. Join us for bookish episodes and a monthly book club pick. This is Ashley. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod, or go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. This is Jen. Check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store, our Patreon page, and our newsletter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support us. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hi, and welcome to Unabridged. This is episode 118, and today we, our newsletter followers, will notice that we have changed our topic a bit. We will talk about that momentarily, but today we're going to be discussing hopeful books to engage students. If Speaking of our newsletter, if you have not subscribed yet, hop over and subscribe to our newsletter. We have a lot of great things going on, and that is a way that we can share that with you all. And so um, check that out and, yeah, subscribe there. You can do that at our website, unabridgedpod.com. You also can do it um, at Instagram, at unabridgedpod, on our link tree. Before we get started with our topic and come back to why we have made some changes there, we wanted to do our bookish check-in. So, Jen, what are you reading this week? So, I am in the midst of Adrian Brodeur's Wild Game, My Mother, Her Lover, and Me. I am reading that as part of Bookish Ladies Club's Diverse Books Buddy Read, and that is diverse books as in diverse genres. So, each month they pick a book from a new genre. This one is a memoir, and oh my goodness, it is really fascinating so far. The subtitle really does tell it all, but... <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of scandalous things happening, and I think the author is just really great at being vulnerable and explaining both how she viewed her situation when she was a teenager and then how she is viewing it from her perspective as an adult looking back. So it's really interesting. Nice. What about you, Sarah? Right now, I am reading Christina McMorris's Sold on a Monday. It's historical fiction. Historical fiction is a tough genre for me because... I don't know. I'm just not a huge history person. I tend to uh, lean toward contemporary novels. So I've been kind of plodding through this. Not that it's slow. It is actually pretty fast, but it's just the historical portion that's sometimes difficult for me. But um, it is kind of interesting because it has to do with uh, children being sold not too too long after the Great Depression because families did not have enough money to take care of all the children in their family so so children were sold and i am not too far into it but so far it focuses on a newspaper reporter slash photographer and his coverage of that of seeing some children with a sign uh saying for sale and that's as far as i've gotten it's pretty good i but i just haven't gotten very far Ashley, what what are you reading? So I am, one of the books I'm reading right now is actually an audiobook of Megan Angelo's followers. And this, the premise in this one is really fascinating and just focuses a lot on the impacts of social media and the way that we, in current times, one of the timelines is set in 2015, the way that we focus really heavily on our followers and on likes and affirmation through social media. 
And then there is another timeline that's 2051. And at that point, there's a drastic change in the way that internet functions. And so all of the social media stuff has really changed. But then there is still a substantial desire for people to follow other people and through reality TV, essentially, and like watching every single thing that those people do all the time. And so it, it, I mean, it's really fascinating. I think it's made me think a lot about the way, like so far, I just am really engaged in what's happening and um, interested in seeing what happens with those storylines. So about today's topic, initially, we were planning to discuss near future books and their use in the classroom or alternate history books. So books that are either looking at a historical event, but taking a new angle or ones that are looking in the near future. And we have some great recommendations for that and think that that would be a really great discussion. But as we're recording this, all of the all of the changes are happening in our country as far as the coronavirus and schools are being or like our system, yeah, our system just um, shut down for a couple of weeks at least. And so people are making lessons for distance learning and that kind of thing. And so as we were reflecting today, right before recording, we just felt like as teachers, we always have to think about what's going on in society and how that impacts our kids and how that impacts their learning environment. And so we just felt like if, you know, if we're recommending books in our classrooms right now Mm -hmm. in this spring, we felt like now is maybe not the time. (laughs) To, to read things that could potentially make students feel more anxious than perhaps they already do. And so while we think it is really important to help kids be aware of environmental issues mm-hmm. and societal issues and health issues and making sure that, and I think near future books do that very well. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's why it's great for kids. They're, they're the ones that we want to talk about. And again, we will come back to that topic. The ones that we want to talk about are books that are both action-packed and are going to be compelling for kids, but also we're going to help them think about some issues that, that are really important mm, yeah. in our society. But anyway, we were like, huh, that might not be the thing that we want to talk about today or that we think that if you're trying to get books to students or recommend books for them to read, that that's necessarily the books list we want to be sending out right now. So in, in light of that, we changed our topic and that's how we came up with the hopeful books to engage students. And that's where we are. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a great explanation. And I do think a lot of them really talk about some hard stuff. So I think you also have to differentiate just because a book has a hopeful ending doesn't mean that a lot of really difficult things don't happen along the way. Because I think sometimes the hope comes from surviving a really challenging situation. And again, while there are times to do that, and that can be very comforting for students, particularly if they identify with that situation, Mm -hmm. it's just a timeliness kind of thing. I think if all you're hearing from the outside world is turmoil and angst, then maybe that doesn't have to be your reading material too. Save the turmoil and angst for when it's happier. (laughs) Well, I think that goes for just us in general. I mean, just people in general, not just students. I, because I do find myself thinking, hmm, what can I read that is not going to devastate me that I need to have some levity because everything I see on the news is so terrifying. Mm -hmm, So I think it goes not just for students, but for all of us. But we're going to focus on students today. But I do think it's important to say that I think it's fine if we all need just a break from things that are really hard. Mm-hmm. And 
to read something with a little bit of levity. Yeah, Yeah, and that goes for dystopian books, too, Mm -hmm. that now is a time where some of those things might parallel reality a bit more than they normally would Mm -hmm. for students in a lot, you know, in, in America. And so, you know, again... Everybody can decide what's best for themselves, but if we're recommending things for kids, we want to take that into consideration. That I mean, for example, we just had a great discussion with Neil Schusterman and Jared Schusterman's Dry, but then when you're reading about the Costco encounters where people are fighting mm-hmm. over the water bottles and then you're seeing that in real life, that can be a very chilling experience, mm-hmm. especially for a teenager. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, just something that we wanted to think about and be considerate of as we discuss things today and so yeah like Jen said I think when we started to curate a list of books that we have loved we did try to pick ones that we felt both the kids could read on their own Mm -hmm. because that may be the recommendations you're making right now and that students would be able to appreciate the hopefulness part or the compassion part or that kind of Mm -hmm. thing without getting into some really dark topics so we did see some on the list that like Jen said Mm -hmm that are great books and some, some that came to our minds that are yeah. great books, but go through really hard things. And that's just not what we're recommending right now. Sorry, Ashley. Yeah. A lot of them we've talked about on the podcast. Yeah. So some of these, if you want to know more, you can go to those previous episodes. We can link those in the show notes because some of them we really talked about in depth. So if there's books, if they're, they are books that you haven't read, you can get a little more of an idea about them from some of our longer episodes. I will say the first book that popped into my head was R.J. Palacio's Wonder. Mm-hmm. And, and my, I, my head as well. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a book. It, it's appropriate for upper elementary. I used to teach it with my juniors. And yeah. it's not a challenging book as far as syntax. It's, it's written for upper elementary. But the ideas in it are so wonderful and something that I think a lot of times older kids need to think about as well. You know, when is it? When is it more important to be kind than to be right? Mm -hmm. How can you extend kindness to others? What are the things that you value in your life? And I think those are things that maybe older kids are struggling with as much as, if not more than, younger kids. I I mean, yeah, I absolutely love that book. If you haven't read it, check it out. I taught that book to my eighth graders, and I found that across the board, they loved it, and they could... everyone could find a character to relate to. Mm-hmm. And what was particularly powerful after we read uh, Augie's story and wonder, we read Julian's ch- extra chapter or like short story mm-hmm. that she released. Um, I think they're now bound in a book because she did three, yeah. but at that time it was fairly new and we read Julian's chapter. I read it from my Kindle and the kids, it was really interesting to see how, they were able to empathize Mm -hmm. at times with Julian and what his story was at home Mm -hmm. and how they were able to see the big picture with like, you know, the the full picture about how sometimes things aren't always what they seem to be and Mm -hmm. how sometimes people are making choices based on things that we don't see. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was really impactful too. But ultimately, again, that had a hopeful message at the end. And Mm -hmm. I really thought that was great. Yeah. And if you have kids who fall in love with those worlds, like my boys both loved Wonder and wanted to read those companion Mm -hmm. books. Um, I recently bought White Bird, which is a graphic novel. And that is the story of Julian's grandmother. Now, I will say that one is a little darker. It is hopeful, but it is darker because it takes place during World War II and the Holocaust. So it is certainly 
not quite the same type of hopeful book that Wonder is. But I do think when kids get attached to a world of characters, that can be a way to nurture that love even further. Yeah. Yeah. And I realized as you all were talking that we didn't summarize the book at all. But I mean, essentially, it's a story about Augie who has profound physical disabilities that greatly impact the way that he appears to other people and as well as the way that he can hear. And so it it has a lot of impacts on both his life and also on the way other people perceive him. And because of that is his integration into a school setting. Mm -hmm. So he's never done that before. It's that transition and what that is like for him. And I agree with everything that you all said, ladies, that I just haven't ever had anybody who didn't enjoy the book. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is just a really powerful book that makes people feel good. Mm -hmm. I mean, that really is all there is to it. So it is a great one to read if you're looking for a book to read and enjoy right now. I mean, it just just makes you feel really good. And, And while helping you... See, see things about yourself or about the world that you might not always remember to consider. So what's another book that came to your mind, Sarah? Well, you know, you all know that I'm always in, I'm always in the mood for love and a love story. <laughs> and I mean, while a lot of our books that we have on here are, I mean, can be quite hard, but again, like end in a hopeful manner. I felt, feel like Jenny Hans to all the boys mm-hmm. I've loved before. It also deals with some things that are are tough, but overall, I think it's a really light read, and I really, uh, I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was um, really hopeful, but I really enjoyed all the uh, the secondary characters in that mm-hmm. book. Yeah, and it, if you don't know, I feel like most people are aware of this book because of the Netflix the Netflix um, movie and the new one just came out, which I haven't watched yet, but it's about Laura Jean and she is navigating high school just like every other girl. And she has written these love letters that to boys that she's loved before all the way from like middle school, all the way through high school. And she has them in a box. Well, the love letters get sent out and the book is about the fallout from that. And it's just, it's just such a lovely story. Mm-hmm. And you're just, you just root for the characters. And most of them all have redeeming qualities. I will say there was one for me <laughs> who didn't, but I'm not going to spoil that. <laughs> but I do think that it's a really likable cast of characters. And then once you read the book, you can go watch the movie on Netflix mm-hmm. because I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. And we actually have an episode, which I'm going to look up the number, that we did the book-to-movie adaptation discussion where we discussed the book and the movie. And in my personal opinion, <laughs> it's a really good episode. So <laughs> I'm going to tell you that one while Ashley and Jen discuss yeah. the next book. <laughs> well, I've been trying to convince Ashley and Sarah to read this next book for yeah, since I read it, which has not been all that long ago. But if you want a romance, Becky Albertalli and Adam Silvera's What If It's Us, it is one of those books that I was ridiculously giddy while reading because it is just beautiful. And it has Hamilton references and Dear Evan Hansen references. And it's just this great love story between Arthur and Ben. And Arthur is in New York for the summer with his mom, who is a high-powered attorney. And so she had to go to New York for the summer to work. 
and he doesn't really know anyone there, but he is from a much smaller town and he is just wowed by everything in New York. He just approaches everything with these really innocent, fresh eyes. And one day he sees this cute boy and he follows him into the post office and that cute boy is Ben and he is mailing back his ex-boyfriend's belongings because they have just broken up. And so they have this great meet cute and then they separate without getting each other's names or numbers. And so Arthur decides that he has to find out who this boy is. And so, yeah, it's just, oh, it's just darling. It's just so good. Yeah, I'll just keep saying that. And so it has all these great, it has issues in it, but it is definitely a love story that is just really sweet and happy. That sounds really good. It's so good. Yes, we both love it. We would both love it. I will tell you, I did find our episode for To All the Boys I Love Before, book to movie adaptation, and it is episode 90, and we'll link it in the show notes, but it's definitely worth a listen if you like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So another one that we all thought of, well, some an author that we all love is John Green, and a lot of his books are hopeful. Mm-hmm. and are great for students and a lot of them are very accessible for students to read on their own without a lot of guidance he writes really well to teens and so I think he does that really well but one that we that I thought of that I think that you all agreed would be a great fit for this particular list is his turtles all the way down mm-hmm. yeah and I think that why like I think that there are hard things in the book but I feel like they are manageable for students and as a as opposed to the fault in our stars for example which i absolutely love and i do mm-hmm. think is manageable for kids but again if you're looking for things they it is a hopeful book and there's a lot of redeeming things in it but there is really hard stuff so i think what john green does really well in that book is demonstrate what it is like to live with anxiety mm-hmm. and to really show in a profound way, what is like in the mind of an anxious person who is suffering from the anxiety. And so when you are like Aza has, there's a, there's a mystery component, mm-hmm. there's a boy, there's some romance, there's some drama happening. And there are a lot, there's a good friend. She has all those components. But I think what, what really stood out to me when I'm thinking about that book is the way that you see how Aza walks in the world Mm -hmm. and he just does that really well and I think that that really resonates with kids I think it is great for kids to read both who have experienced that themselves or someone they love experiences that and also for kids who don't have any experience with it I think it does a really good job of showing what that can be like and how how crippling it can be and also how it is to learn to navigate through it Mm -hmm. and I think what is so hopeful to me about that book is that John Green never suggests in any way that it's going to go away for Aza mm-hmm. or that she's just miraculously not going to feel anxious anymore. And so I think that it is a very hopeful book to me because I felt like it was very realistic of what it is like to live in your body and to have an ongoing mental health issue that is going to continue, but to learn to manage that in mm-hmm. a way that can bring hope and joy. Yeah. So that's another one. So we, we talked about that one, but it has been a long yeah. time. It is like in the vault. I'm yeah, not sure. It's in the vault. It's I, pa- I was it's past just our, frantically looking for it, and I was. It's like, past oh, no. our iTunes window because uh, listeners, you may not know, but it's only your last 100 that are on iTunes. So, 
And we have more than 100 episodes. Yay! Okay. So I just keep thinking of love stories because I have just come to realize recently that love stories are like my comfort food as far as reading goes. Like love stories, romances, there's this just comfort in knowing where I'm headed and that no matter what happens along the way, there will be a happy ending. So... Yeah, that that's where my brain is going. Mm-hmm. So I will. And just I have say, found that recently too. I've talked mm-hmm. about that on some of our recent episodes. But I am notoriously not a romance reader, mm-hmm. and I have just found lately that I I like them a lot yeah. more than I thought I did. So I, I will. Nicola thank you, Yoon. Helen Huang, oh, and right. yeah, and Nicola Yoon yeah. for Nicola changing Yoon that for me. Just amazing. So we've talked about her before. We loved both Everything, Everything, and The Sun is Also a Star. We did a book-to-film adaptation episode on The Sun is Also a Star. Episode 75. Woohoo, Sarah, with all the numbers. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just think we she... We did Everything, Everything also. But that's also, but in, that's the also in the vault. <laughs> it was, up like, in the vault. way back before we had proper mics. It sounded so official. Yeah. I was going to say that one was rough. But, yeah. <laughs> I was like, we were, driving, we we had these we tiny were driving in a car with the windows rolled down. That's kind of what it sounds yeah. like. <laughs> that is what it sounds like. There's a reason why Apple pulls them back. Yeah. <laughs> they know. Yes. <laughs> so I think what Yoon does so well is just build these couples who feel real, who may each be struggling with their own issues, but who see each other in a way that other people can't. Mm-hmm. And so everything, everything, and the sun is also a star. The social issues at their center are quite different from each other. But in both, Yoon targets some really tough issues like immigration and I don't even know how to say like there's some abuse and there's illness, although I don't know that that's a social issue. The way the illness manifests is not a way that it's going to happen in most people's lives in everything, everything. But definitely how you deal with trauma, how you deal with tragedy. And, and yet somehow both of those books make me so happy. So even while you see the characters doing these things, because it's in the midst of them finding comfort, it somehow doesn't feel as dark as it might in another kind of book. Mm-hmm. So I think you cannot go wrong with Nicola Yoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Sarah and I both read David Yoon's Frankly in Love yes. and loved that one mm-hmm. as well. I do think his, I, we've talked about this before, but it is, a, there is romance in the book, but it is not quite as happy feeling, I mm-hmm. think, as, as both of hers are. But it is an amazing book, and it and and a sweet one that that students would definitely enjoy and relate to. Yeah. Well, I wanted to also. I don't even know that we talked about this one beforehand, but I was thinking about the love stories and also just books that really spoke to me when mm-hmm. I when we read them, but they were also happy by the end and that one the one that i wanted to talk about is julie murphy's dumpling oh yeah because we did that actually as a book club book and then we did the book to movie adaptation Uh yeah and i just i I just think it is really important to have all different protagonists Mm -hmm. especially female all different types of protagonists represented and and dumpling willa dean is the main character but her her nickname that her mom calls her is Dumplin. And she is a plus size teenager. She's proud of her body. She wants to enter a beauty pageant. And her mom is kind of this former beauty queen who has this quote unquote notoriety in her town for being mm-hmm. a beauty queen. And I just thought that it was a really, I just felt really happy that there was a character that represented 
girls who are not a size four Mm -hmm. and who are proud of their bodies and are not trying to change Mm -hmm. their bodies and want to be in a beauty pageant because she was beautiful Mm -hmm. and she wanted to do it. And I just thought that was, I think it's important to have that for young women. And I, there's a love story, which it just was a really sweet, sweet story. And it really spoke to me because I struggled with some of that growing up and I just thought it was great. And I think that needs to be done for young girls. And I don't know. I just Mm -hmm. really liked that book a lot. And in the movie, I like the movie too, but I like the book way better than mm-hmm. the movie. But we did do, I'm going to plug the episodes, girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did episode 63 and 64. So we did them back to back. We I did the book club. That. I didn't even remember that either, but we did the book club episode on 63 mm-hmm. where we discussed it in depth. And then on 64 where we talked about the book to movie mm-hmm. adaptation. So another author we would be remiss not to mention is Jason Reynolds. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Swoon. (laughs) (laughs) We have pretty much read almost all of his books. I've not read quite all of them, but I would say that all of us have read almost all of his work, if not his work entirely. Yes. I'm caught up. And and we've seen him speak live. And if you ever have the opportunity to do that, or if you ever have the opportunity to take your students to see him speak live or even a recording of him speaking live, that is where the magic is because he is an incredible speaker Mm -hmm. and he is also an incredible speaker for students and kids. Cause I mean, he just, he just has a way of connecting that I have never seen another author Mm -hmm. be able to do Mm -hmm. in such a, in such a profound way. Yeah. That's another thing we can link in our show notes because we saw him speak at Charlottesville festival of the book last year with lawyer Halsey Anderson. And we, we did an episode about that. We also, there is, there's still the feed right for that. And we showed our students a clip of him speaking and it was just really powerful. I mean, we just saw firsthand how impactful he is to teenagers. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. So anyway, I just wanted to say that I think in general, all of his books are hopeful and they typically are not super, super heavy Mm -hmm. while still being hopeful for people. So we had, as we were brainstorming some books, we had mentioned when I was the greatest and also the track series as being specific ones. But generally speaking, you can't go wrong with him. And I think that with all of his books, they are ones that you could, you, the kids can read them on their own and be able to make sense of it, enjoy it. They're going to be getting, you know, pretty full. We tried to come up with things today that we felt like the students on their own would be getting a rich experience of reading the book, even if they're not getting a lot of interaction with, with a teacher. And we talked about him in episode 34. Sarah, you are killing it. Uh, So I did want to mention, I think about my boys a lot and how much they love graphic novels. I will say the downside of that being the reading when you are home is that they go very quickly Mm -hmm. and and they are expensive. So you will go through a lot. The library has been our friend with graphic novels. But I want to mention Raina Telgemeier. And she is one, it was interesting, my niece has loved Raina Telgemeier. And we were visiting my mother and my niece had several Telgemeier books just sitting, waiting for her to read. And my son, who is the same age, so I think he read them when he was 11, just devoured them. And we have been working through, he, he's hit that age where if it has a female protagonist on the cover, he's a little more reluctant, and it did not make a bit of difference. And I think what she does so well is to uncover, she writes primarily, I think maybe only about middle school aged students. Mm-hmm. And she so effectively looks at the things that are happening to kids every day. 
and portrays them really just in a realistic way. So she has some graphic novels that are fiction. And then she also has like her recent book, Guts, is a graphic memoir. And she talks about developing really bad stomach issues as a result of anxiety. And I, I thought it was really moving and also really relatable for kids who might be suffering from anxiety. But of course, it also has this hopeful ending because she works through it. You know, she's an adult, you know, she's okay. And so I think that's a nice one for kids to know. Others, Other kids worry too. Other kids have anxiety mm-hmm. too, but it is possible to work through it and to live with some of the physical manifestations of that. Anyway, so I will just say Telgemeier is great for boys and girls, even if you have to get past that, yeah, certain age of boy who is reluctant to read. Yeah, which this hurts his, yeah. I'm not having it. Like, he is still going to read books about and by women. But sometimes I have to do a little work to get him there. So <laughs> that, That's the same with my son. He loves graphic novels. And he was reluctant to read C.C. Bell's El Defo, oh, which yeah. is another great one. Mm-hmm. And then also Roller Girl. Oh, by, yeah. Uh, that one is Victoria Jameson. Yes. He, lo- he did not want to read them because mm-hmm. there was a girl character on the cover and then he read them and loved them. So yeah. I think that's important to overcome early. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I just had a great conversation yep. with him that I read books by and about men all the time mm-hmm. and that we are all people. And that we should be reading about people of all experiences and that that's part of reading Mm -hmm. good books is using your imagination to understand other people's experiences. And he rolls his eyes sometimes because he is very much at that almost teenage age. Tween. Tween. Yeah. But I also hope it's hitting home because Mm -hmm. that is really important to me. I had a couple of kids who try that. Uh And again, we're not having it. Yeah. And I I think those conversations are so important for us to have because I think that even while they're rolling their eyes, they're hearing you. And I used to say to my students, go ahead and do that because I know that you are processing this and that sooner or later it's going to catch up with your brain and you are going to realize the brilliance of the thing that I'm saying. So I think, you know, there is some resistance when something's uncomfortable. I think is in our discomfort that we grow. And mm-hmm. so it's good for kids to recognize that. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay, well, we will be sharing a fuller list yes. with you all, but we will certainly in our show notes be linking all the ones that we have mentioned and would love to hear the ones that you read. What are your go-tos when you're looking for something hopeful to read? And what do you enjoy reading when you feel like you're looking for something to make you feel happy? Yeah, we'd love to know about that. So we want to end today with our Give Me One. And our Give Me One is going to be about things that make us happy. There's a theme here. <laughs> Maybe Sarah. we need this as much as. I know, right? I think I think we're, yeah, working some things out here. So Sarah, what's something that makes you happy? Well, I just, before I say mine, <laughs> Sarah, I just need to explain. There are lots of things that make me happy. But when I was looking at this, I just wanted to look at something super simple that is something that makes me relaxed and I like a nice glass of red wine and if there's a bubble bath and a book involved that's even better but I just I think that as especially as adults and as women we deserve to be able to relax and sometimes after like after talking about coronavirus for like three days straight and trying to get our school district ready for it I think that I think it's great if I can just go home and sit Mm -hmm. down with a book and have a glass of red wine. And it does. It makes me happy. It makes me feel a little bit relaxed. And then I feel like I can move forward with my day. Yeah. 
Yeah, what about you, Jen? So, Ashley, you'll know this one because today, as we were driving from a school to our office after helping people get ready <laughs> because we might shut down because of coronavirus, we were, I was also maybe venting about politics and yeah, so just lots of stressful things. And I suddenly looked up, Ashley was driving, so it was okay that I was distracted. <laughs> I looked up and I saw these beautiful flowering trees and we live in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia and it is just the season where they are blossoming. My flowering plum and my dogwood are blooming. And so I was just taken off guard and I just had this moment of just they're just beautiful and they make me happy every year and I love flowers and I know that all sounds very superficial but it's just like recognizing beauty and that Ashley was like and the seasons are still happening so even though all of these things are going on there are still things that are lovely in the world so that made me happy today yeah yeah and I, I felt that we were just talking about how it's so interesting because there's been so much going and again we're in a school system so the, the focus of what's going to happen, what can we control, what can we not control, what's going, you know, how is all this going to calculate out? What does it mean to do distance learning? I mean, all of that stuff has been very pertinent questions that are understandable, mm -hmm. but that we don't have any answers for. And so it is nice to take a pause in those moments and just it, to celebrate those things and to enjoy the glass of wine or to mm -hmm. enjoy being outside because it is easy to get swept up, yeah. I think. So mine is not in that vein, <laughs> but we went, we went to a podcast conference recently that was a phenomenal experience for all of us, and we were really grateful that we got to go, mm -hmm. and while we were there, we had a quick trip into Universal Studios to go to Harry Potter Yay! World, <laughs> and we had a, an amazing time with that, and I just so long-winded answer to say, I have rediscovered that roller coasters make me really, <laughs> really happy. And as the person sitting next to her on the roller coaster, I can attest to that. <laughs> I mean, just absolutely euphoric. I loved them. It was all that I could do not to turn around and get immediately back into the line to do the thing again. And I think that, you know, I loved that as a kid, but it's just been a, I mean, a, a very long time since I've done anything like that. And it was just fantastic. I just absolutely loved it. It made me super happy. Yeah. So I will really say, Fun. I had been there last year and so watching my friends enjoy it for the first time I was trying to hold it in because I didn't want <laughs> I didn't want to be overwhelming but I was also so excited to yeah. see just how they were reacting to everything without tripping over my feet because I was turned around looking at their faces so, <laughs> and Jen was, was a fantastic tour guide too. Yeah. she was like this is where we need to go and yeah. we were so nice it was just so nice to have someone that knew Aww. what they were doing yeah. and and we just felt, I felt like we really maximized our time. And that was a great example of a situation where we, we wound up with a lot of delays. We had a lot of mishaps <laughs> that I will not get into, but were very unusual related to the hotel. We didn't wind up in the right place until 2.30 in the morning. We're trying to turn it around and get back out by 6.30. And I just think that is the kind of thing where, of course, all of that was stressful, but that it was worth it. It's yeah. worth it. And it was just so much fun to, and I, I mean, I remember at, 2.30 thinking there is no way that this is going to be worth it tomorrow. And then it was just fantastic. Yeah. And it also is like how often as adults do we get to have fun together? Uh -huh. It was really fun to have fun together. Yeah. Right. And yes. so that made me really happy. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for listening to us today and for rolling with our <laughs> change and direction here. We would love to hear from you all about things that you're doing through this time and books you're enjoying reading as you go along. So thanks.
you have comments or opinions about what you heard today, we'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnderbridgePod or on the web at UnderbridgePod.com for a list of ways to support us. We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged. 